Forgive me, guys, for putting these uh, episodes out of order. <clears throat> I do have this particular episode up on YouTube now, and it's been almost a month. And uh, forgive me for not uh, downloading the audio sooner and putting it onto Spotify. This is the interview I did with uh, Dr. Dibdahl, who is a member of the theology faculty at Walla Walla University. In this interview, we were talking about spiritual gifts and getting into the depths of what he knew about spiritual gifts and what it means for us as, as Christians and hopefully providing information for those who had no idea what spiritual gifts were. I am your host, Andrew Moore, pastor in training, and I am glad that you have tuned in to listen. May God bless this week, and the weeks prior, and the weeks going on ahead and into the future, from this day forth. Amen. Okay. Well, before the technical difficulties truly begin let's kind of figure this this thing out hey, Andrew how goes it so I have malfunctioning uh, teams every time the first time I try to connect it will uh it will say we're having issues try again later and then i have to cycle out and come in and then i'm good so i got I your call to me before so yeah got your call but it, it wouldn't let me connect when i tried so no worries no worries all right so tell me what i need to know how we're gonna proceed here I kind of want it to flow as a natural conversation, so I've only got like four questions in, in total that I've written down. No, never mind. Five questions in total that I got written down. Okay. But I figured if a question pops up, just an organic flow to it. Uh, so I guess, are you ready to begin? I, I guess so, yeah. All right. Uh, before we begin our discussion on spiritual gifts, would you please tell those who are listening a, a little bit about about yourself, Dr. Dibdahl, what you specialize in and why you came to work for Walla Walla and things like that? Sure. Uh, so my name is Paul Dibdahl, 
and I have been teaching at Walla Walla University since 2001. Um, if I go further back, uh, I was born to missionary parents, spent the early years of my life in Asia, uh, and then moved actually to the Walla Walla Valley during my early grade school years and was kind of educated here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I majored in theology as uh, when I went to college and served as a pastor in the Oregon Conference for, uh, uh, well, almost five years, four, four plus years. Um, but I was interested in teaching. Uh, I'm not sure exactly why, you know, some of these things we can't always explain why, but I'm interested in teaching. And so I went back to school um, for my PhD. I went to Andrews University, which is a uh, seminary, uh, Andrews University Theological Seminary, um, which is in Berrien Springs, Michigan. And I, I got my PhD in the area of mission. So technically, I'm a missiologist. My secondary area was in the New Testament. So that's a little bit of my life um sort of overview of my life and i think you'd asked a little bit about my training or specialty or something so that kind of answers that question i hope it does it does uh, the second question i have is uh, i know that personally for me growing up in an adventist church but a christian church in general we never really talked about the spiritual gifts which leads me to conclude that the spiritual gifts aren't often talked about in churches today. If this is the case, why do you think that uh, it would be the case? Yeah, I think, and, and I wouldn't want to answer, I would recognize that the answer I would give would be more anecdotal probably rather than based on research. But it seems to me like in North America, we've moved more and more towards i'll mention two things here kind of a democratic um to church governance um and then i would also say a more kind of technical approach um and by technical i mean that we we rely on i don't know if technical is the right word now but like techniques organization um sort of human kind of um, organizational theory um, when it comes to to uh, church administration or church leadership. And so you kind of put those two together and they're not unrelated. They're kind of overlapping, I think. What you end up with is we, we run the church a lot like we would run like a city council or or a state government or I suppose maybe even the federal government where um, you have ministries or positions that you talk together and you put forward names and then there's kind of this this almost sort of voting group that that makes decisions and makes invitations and the part that's left out is the the spiritual element of it um and i don't think it's that people are consciously doing that or intentionally trying to you know quench the spirit but just the way we've been trained to think organizationally, it's influenced by our politics, um, our, by our political system in America and by the business world. 
And in the business world and in politics, we don't talk about the work of the Holy Spirit gifting and equipping people in maybe surprising ways. We tend to look at resumes and, and so on and so forth. And so I think we kind of, we just sort of adopt that in the church without a lot of um, critical examination of why we do that. And do you think this is mainly because of Western civilization and Western thought? Or is it? Um, sure, I'll say, I'll just say culture, Western culture. So how we, how we operate an organization is profoundly impacted by, by the culture that we're in. So, yeah. Um, so I, I guess I'm not quibbling with Western civilization, Western thought. But yeah, Western culture might be the, the term that I would prefer, but it's maybe inconsequential, the, the exact terminology. Yeah, I think so, Andrew. All right. Uh, the, the third question I, I have written down here is one of the most misunderstood yet most recognizable gifts is the gift of speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. I know personally I've been asked before what what does it mean to speak in tongues is it just like gibberish that's kind of portrayed on TV or in TV shows in secular culture and this is kind of like a, a three-folded question three-pronged question if you will. is is the gift of tongues a rare gift to receive do you think or or do you think that it's more common than we as Christians tend to think about um yeah so this is the first of the three parts of the question right um i i think of it as being fairly rare but maybe that's because of my own you know i wonder how much of it is my own experience um, the way I understand the gift of tongues, maybe I should put it that way. The way I understand the gift of tongues, um, it's a gift that I have not seen frequently um, at work in the church. Um, I, I have seen what other people might call the gift of tongues. I've seen that quite widely practiced, and I know it's quite wise, widely practiced. But as I understand the gift, I guess I'm repeating myself now, as I would understand the gift, I don't see it as something that is um, frequently uh, manifest in the in the life of the church. All right. And why do you think that's the case? If you had to, um, yes. Well, I don't, and, and part of it is I'm trying to, like in my mind figure out andrew what the second and third questions might be and i don't want to like jump into those other things maybe if you're wanting to save them but save them for later um i i feel like the what i will call like the miraculous gifts or maybe the supernatural gifts in general i don't feel like i see them very often so gifts of healing for example that's that's another one and one that's listed in scripture is miraculous powers it's like i don't feel like i have witnessed those very often and i would see the gift of tongues 
um, similarly um, as a as a supernaturally given gift. Um, and it, it just doesn't seem that I seem to me that I see those very often and I've I've heard people talk about this before and some have suggested that early in the life of the church is when these these kinds of gifts seem to be more um, obvious uh, and that as the church grows and matures some of the other what shall I say more more quiet gifts might be needed gifts of administration gifts of hospitality gifts of leadership gifts of teaching um, but that early on in <laughs> In, in a church's sort of existence or maybe even in an individual believer's um, walk that that it tends to be early on that those some of those other gifts are 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 most clearly manifest. So being born and raised in the church and being part of a denomination that uh, has been fairly well established um, by the time I came around. I don't know, maybe maybe that's the reason why. And I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just trying to, um, you know, wonder what, why it is that some of those gifts seem less less frequent. I mean, to me, I think it has to do personally has to do with cultural because okay. I know that. Different cultures, from what I understand, I've only grew I grew up in the Western culture and mm -hmm. civilization. I haven't been elsewhere, but I, from what I understand, within different cultures, there's different emphasis placed on spirits and the supernatural. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that plays a key factor into it, whether it be the gift of tongues or the gift of healing. Yep. No, and I, I, that's a good uh, good reflection. And I wouldn't, um, I would not disagree or, or argue with that as a, as a good possibility. Yeah. Yep. And then... I know you mentioned in, in class, and for those, when I do put this on the, the podcast that are, are listening, uh, in our church and personal ministry class, you mentioned that the, going back to the gift of tongues, that the gift of tongues could be, could sound like just somebody having the ability to speak a completely different language than they were able to originally, and then it was also, what was it, uh, I don't remember how you phrased it, but kind of emotional utterances. Uh, yeah, I, I think one one term that's been used is ecstatic utterance. Um, so I'm not sure that might have been an expression that I used in class. First um, Corinthians 13, um, Paul writes about the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. So the, the those those two. Um, my, those might be two different ways of describing it. So, so you you wanted me to reflect a little bit on on those two, or yes, please, if you don't mind. Okay, yeah. So it it seems to me when I look at the Bible that so so the word for for tongues in the Greek is also the word for languages. So when you say speak in different tongues, we could also translate speak in different languages. And I think that there are occasions in the New Testament when that's exactly what is being referred to. So Acts chapter 2 would be an example of this, where the Spirit enables the apostles to speak in different tongues. And actually, I say that there's some debate even uh, 
and this is maybe splitting hairs here, but is it that they were speaking all of them in different tongues or was that the Holy Spirit gave the audience the gift of hearing so that they were hearing what the apostles said in their own languages? But whatever the case, it seems to me to be clear in Acts chapter 2 that the gift that is given is the ability to mirac miraculously communicate in a another human language or human tongue that the apostles otherwise were unable to to speak that they could not naturally speak but that the spirit the holy spirit enabled communication to take place through these other languages that the apostles couldn't speak so that's um in acts in acts chapter 2 um and that's a dominant position in like perspective in many Protestant churches and that would be the dominant perspective I think in the Seventh-day Adventist church as well that when we read in the New Testament about the gift of tongues that it's referring to this ability this miraculous ability to communicate the truths of the gospel in another human language that you have not like learned in the usual way um, and that to me seems biblical but when I read in 1 Corinthians, for example, and I read Paul talk uh, there also about tongues, it seems to me like there's this different sort of, of tongues, which is a, a personal, generally, generally a personal, um, private, devotional kind of uh, communication with God that may involve um, language, should I call it language? What is it? But but that it's not a human language that is being spoken, but it's some other some other form of, of speech or communication that transcends human language. Um, so the Apostle Paul, I think, talks about um, in, in Acts, I'm sorry, Acts, in, in 1 Corinthians, I'm sitting here just looking looking at it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, and, and it's, it's a long chapter, but chapter 14, I think, especially. Um, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So he draws the contrast between by myself, one thing happens, but in church, I would rather speak intelligible words rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. So it seems to be a tongue that's not intelligible to the people that are listening, which seems to me quite different than what happens in Acts, where the whole purpose of the tongue, the, the speaking in tongues, was to be intelligible, and it was intelligible. Here, it's a form of tongues that apparently is unintelligible. Um, and we could reference like a, a, in Romans, um, Paul talks about when we don't know how to pray or what to pray, that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that words cannot express. So you have the Holy Spirit here somehow part of a, a prayer life um, that that is expressing things 
beyond words that the words can't quite express. And maybe this would be another reference to that that other type of speaking in in tongues. Um, so I'm I'm not alone in this. It, it is it's not a forbidden perspective in Adventism. There have been Adventist authors that have written um, about what I've just just talked about, but I think it's a minority position within the Seventh Day Adventist denomination, at least. Um, and and clearly, if 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 one is going to speak unintelligible words in a group setting. Um, the Apostle Paul has like constraints on that or parameters for that and says in a public setting, you shouldn't do that unless there's someone there that can that can interpret. Um, Which is another spiritual gift in and of itself. Is exactly, exactly. The gift, the gift interpret, of the, the speaking interpretation of tongues. of tongues. Right. Yeah, good, good, Andrew. Exactly right. Which again to me would suggest that this is a different can be a different gift than what we read about in Acts chapter 2, where there's no interpreter needed because they are speaking in the languages of the people who, the, the foreigners that were there. Um, so, uh, one other thing that I'll note, and maybe it's getting too, com you know, too convoluted here with too many, too many words, but in Acts chapter 2, um, Following that occasion, when the apostles spoke in unlearned human languages, uh, the passage that Peter quotes is from Joel, um, and he says, you know, this scripture is basically that is being fulfilled through what you've just heard. And the scripture that he quotes is about not the gift of tongues, but the gift of prophecy. So it seems that from Peter's perspective, what happens in Acts 2 isn't actually the gift of tongues per se, but it's the gift of prophecy. So that's another thing maybe that someone might might want to consider. Okay. Uh, and I would not interested in being dogmatic in this or getting, you know, in an argument with someone over it. But just for me, as I read the Bible, um, I find myself. It, it seems to me that the Bible presents these these two different sort of views of the gift. And I think I may have kind of talked over you there, Andrew. Sorry. Oh no, it's it's all good. I know as you were mentioning the uh, ecstatic utterances and all that, my mind went back to kind of reflecting on uh, when Jesus says not to be like the hypocrites and praying in the streets. Do you think that one of the ways they were praying was in these uh, ecstatic utterances and kind of unintelligible to the human mind? Yeah, I, I. I feel somewhat um, unequipped to answer that question. I would want to go back and look again at Jesus' words there in the Sermon on the Mount um, when he when he talks about talks about this. But based on like just residual uh, knowledge uh, from the past, my my understanding was was that there were set sorts of formulas that that the pagans would use. And they believe that in the repetition of the deity's name or in the repetition of certain words or phrases that 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 would somehow get the God's attention and sort of cajole the, the God into answering the prayer. So I thought it was more a matter of, of repetition uh, rather than a kind of 
ecstatic, unintelligible utterance that that was in view there. Because Jesus' point seems to be, like, just be simple and straightforward and tell God what you need. Come to God as a father. This is the context of the Lord's Prayer. You should pray, Our Father. So rather than some multiplication of terms that you say over and over again to try to get God's attention, he's your father, so just come to him simply as a father. That seems to be the contrast, I think, in, in Matthew. No, I agree. Again, it was just where my, my thoughts went and just curiosity. Yeah. And an interesting, like it's an interesting possibility and maybe, maybe, um, you know, worthy of further reflection than what I just gave. That's, that's certainly possible, so. For sure, for sure. Um, moving on to the, the next question. Because uh, I know we just went over the gift of tongues, but there are also, as you mentioned, other spiritual gifts. They're given through the Holy Spirit, such as interpreting tongues, uh -huh. ministry, pastoring, wisdom, knowledge, teaching, healing, uh, hearing, so on and, and so forth. And I know that you mentioned in my in church and personal ministry class that uh, this is but a short list of spiritual gifts and that there may be more that could be added onto it, but it was just a general idea Mm -hmm. of Paul Paul is giving um, with this in mind what what do you think are spiritual gifts that are not listed by Paul but could have been been listed or I wasn't quite sure exactly how to how to phrase phrase that yeah yeah so I think I understand the question um, and and it's a good one and and I yeah, so so let me just reflect here for a second. So, yes, I do believe that the lists of spiritual gifts that we find in the New Testament are representative lists. I don't think they were intended to be exhaustive. Um, so what would be, if I understood you correctly, like what might be some other gifts that aren't listed there, right, um, like in the New Testament? And that you've seen through pastoral, yeah, being a pastor or just as yeah. a professor. So I'll I'll mention it's a good good question. I'll mention I'll mention a couple, um, and I mentioned one of these in in class. I think uh, Andrew, but I think the gift of leading worship is a spiritual gift. Um. I think music also, and I think those are two separate gifts, the gift of music and the gift of leading worship. Um, so sometimes the best musician may not be the best worship leader. Um, but those are those are two gifts that I feel like are important in, in a church. Um, I think they're gifts related to just the arts in general. Um, people that have, there's some people who just have a sense of um, color and architecture and arrangement and, and decoration. They, they know how to make a space inviting and peaceful and comforting um, and secure. And, and I think, there's, I think so, there's a place for these gifts, artistic gifts. And they are mentioned in the Bible specifically that God gave, and I'm thinking of Old Testament 
passages that talk about some people that contributed to the building of the tabernacle or the sanctuary or then later the temple. And it, it, it speaks that, you know, God gave them these skills in whatever it was, working with fine metals or, or whatever. Um, and so I guess that is kind of a biblical gift, but one that we don't talk about very much. And then, and then listening. Uh, I think listening is an incredible gift uh, that that the Holy Spirit can and does give, and that some people have special listening gifts. Um, they may often turn out to be counselors, but they may never hold that official, you know, title. Um, may not be officially trained in counseling, but that, that God has given them the, them the gift of, of listening, which is, I think, incredibly powerful. So these would be some, just a sampling of a couple things that come to mind. Um, that, yeah, they come to mind in, in the moment here. So. That makes sense. As, as you were talking, I was thinking, uh, it, is it possible that, the spiritual gifts that God does give to people can change over time. That it's not set in stone. That yeah, he, I, since like I, the evolution of technology, do you think that God has given spiritual gifts to certain people just related to that field? Yeah, good. That's that's good one. Yeah, I I think so. Um, I think so. So stuff related to technology. Um, and and yes, I do think that over the course over the course of history, we might say that there are new gifts that might be needed along the way. Um, and then over the course of a person's life, also, I think that God at different stages of life, as they as we find ourselves in different situations, God may gift us in different ways in order to accomplish His work in that given in that given time. Yeah, the technology one, that's that's good, Andrew. And we, we a lot of times don't connect spirituality or spiritual gifts with technology, but I think there are people who have gifts in those areas for sure. Yeah. And the, the, the next question I had for you was, uh, kind of keeping in line with our conversation on spiritual gifts, do you think that for for example take the gift of pastoring mm -hmm. and we all for those that don't know are going to be listening pastor the root word for pastor means to shepherd and i would say that many people would agree that those with the spiritual gift of pastoring will be or are pastors and some are, are pastors in the professional form of of the word i i know that growing up this is how i had i had been thinking about the gift of pastoring but kind of reflecting on on that spiritual gift and shepherding and p would you say that uh, or, or would you agree that people who have this as their primary spiritual gift or as one of their spiritual gifts strong one of their stronger spiritual gifts but are I should rephrase that. 
I should say that I, I believe that people have their have this as their primary the gift of pastoring as their primary spiritual gift, but are not and may never be pastors. Would you agree that this could be the case, mm-hmm. and that they're past quote unquote pastoring in a a different profession, if you will, and and if you do, which it looks like like you, why? Yeah. So, yes, I, I would agree. Um, I would agree, Andrew. And and it, it seems like wrong. Well, if you have the gift of pastoring, then you should be a pastor. Except this is this is the this is the problem is that when we say pastor, what we mean is a person who is placed in a position as sort of lead teacher, administrator, um, evangelist, and and pastor, we could use that term term too, over a community of believers. And that's different than what the word pastor is in the New Testament. The word pastor, as you said, is to shepherd. So what should a pastor today, when we use the word pastor, we're not talking about shepherding sheep any longer. We're talking about sort of and i'm i'm struggling for words because what exactly is a pastor in our world well it's a professional title you like get a degree for that and some pastors using that as the professional title some of them are actually not really gifted in shepherding but maybe they're more gifted in evangelism or maybe they're more gifted in teaching or maybe they're more gifted in leadership These are spiritual gifts as well, but that they're not so gifted in the shepherding part, the more nurturing part of the community. So you can be a good professional pastor and not necessarily have the gift of shepherding. And you can be a very good shepherd or pastor in the biblical, using that biblical term, and not be in the professional position as a pastor of a church today. And I don't know if the way I talked about it made sense, those distinctions, but but because of the the way we use the word pastor, that I think that's the that's the challenge. Yes, I think there are probably wonderful pastors who are who have responded to God's calling to be a pastor who are maybe a dean somewhere in a dormitory or their counselors um they may even be a nurse i mean it could be a variety uh, but but that they have that gift of shepherding of bringing people together and kind of nurturing and watching over them and helping to protect them from from the the wolves or whatever and they may not hold the professional position as a pastor because that's in our language and in our culture that means something different than the biblical gift of pastoring. So it maybe made sense the first time I said it, and I'm multiplying words here, so I'll be quiet. It's all good. It's all good. And kind of, kind of to wrap everything up. I know you were talking about, and again in our church, and well, yeah, in our church and personal ministry class, that uh, when we as students in the class since most of the students in your class for church and personal ministry, if not all, are theology majors and going into 
the profession of pastoring that you're that the the church that you will be placed at will have all the spiritual gifts that it that it needs with the people who have those specific gifts so would you mind kind of touching up on that yeah yeah so uh and i i could be wrong on this but it seems to me like if god wants something to be accomplished he he doesn't demand that it be accomplished without giving the ability to accomplish it even if we don't naturally have that ability god will equip so that we can fulfill his calling so from that i would i would the, the way i think about it is if we don't have the giftedness to accomplish something it must be that god is not calling us to accomplish that so i kind of approached it i guess from the what the the flip side the the negative side uh, an example that i might give related to music and i've given this example before but i might in my mind think that our church should develop a a band that does incredible worship music and that it brings all the community together in worship right and that's my vision um but in our church we don't have people that are good at music and we pray and i pray and we pray and we say lord you know equip us with what we need and we still we, we don't have singers we don't have musicians my point would be at some point we should accept the fact that that's maybe my dream for the church that big musical group but that apparently isn't god's dream for the church because if it was God's dream for the church, he would equip us in order to accomplish it. So I feel like this helps in, in a small, I'm just thinking like a small country church somewhere that, that we would try to be attentive to the ways in which God has gifted us and then use those gifts fully, <laughs> obediently, and not worry if there are other areas where we're we're not strong or we're not gifted it's like that's okay apparently what god wants us to accomplish um is are these other things in the in the ways that he has gifted us so i hope that made made sense the way i talked about it here and it just i feel like it just gave me as a as a pastor it, it both gave me it gave me peace like we hadn't didn't have to do everything didn't have to get discouraged because we weren't gifted in every area it gave me peace but then it also gives you it's not like oh well, i don't have to worry but it also makes you especially attentive i hope and and obedient so to speak to the to the callings and the giftings that god has like god gave us this gift we really need to be using it for for the good of, uh, for the edification of the church and for the, the blessing of the community, so. That made sense, that made sense. Uh, I know that was kind of to touch up and everything, but I, as you were talking, I remembered the, I want to ask for, for those that are listening to this, this podcast, who want to discover what their spiritual gifts are, or have no idea, have no idea, how about 
to do that, what would you recommend? Yeah, I, I think I think prayerful reflection is is maybe the most valuable thing um, to to prayerfully reflect on our personality, our life experience, um, the ways in which we've seen God work through us in the past and maybe even in the present, um, to reflect prayerfully on those things that when we do them, we sense a kind of connection with God and then we can see the effectiveness, sort of an effectiveness to what we're doing. That's probably the most helpful kind of a way, I think, of of beginning to discover what our spiritual gifts might be. Another thing is to ask other people that know us well, that we trust, that we know to be spiritual people. We could ask them, you know, what what are the ways in which you see um, that God has has gifted me? And their testimony can be very helpful to us, affirming and and revelatory too. We we can may realize things that we didn't realize. And then uh, on a more, um, not mundane, but how shall I say it, just kind of concrete level, there are, there are a variety of spiritual gifts inventories that are available online and in books and so forth that a person could, could take, which will also probably kind of get us to thinking about um, the areas that, that we might be gifted in. Um, I would take those inventories not as the final word, but as kind of a, as um, discussion starters, maybe with with other people. Um, so th- those might be some of the some of the ways. And and then I'll mention one more. And I realize we're our time is about up here. But another thing that we might do also is actually exercise the gifts, like practice the gifts that we think we may have been given, and to pay attention, like do do I find purpose and meaning when I when I do that? And can I see that my service has been edifying and a blessing to other people? Um, sort of like trying it out. And and if if that seems to be the case, then that's also, I think, an indication that indeed it may be a, a gift that God has given to us. Would you also say that a, a good step also, not only just talking to other spiritual people who are, well-grounded in the Christian faith, but also talking to your your pastor about it as well. Do you think that Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think just bringing the, um, yeah, the community, our, our community, our religious community um, into the conversation, including the, including the pastor, assuming the pastor, you know, is acquainted with us, um, then, then yeah, that, of course, that would be very valuable, I think. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Dr. Dibdahl. Would you like to uh, pray before we leave? Sure. Sure. Thank you. And Andrew, I just wanted to say thank you also for this opportunity to to visit. I think it's an important topic and I'm thankful uh, for your interest in it. And I'm also thankful for your interest in um, the podcast. And I, I realize there's all kinds of options out there for people, but uh, your your work to put something together that would be valuable for people to listen to and reflect on. I think that's um, admirable and and I appreciate it very much. Um, Let's pray as we conclude here. Dear God, 
thank you so much for the opportunity to visit with Andrew today. Uh, I thank you for uh, his willingness to use uh, his talents and interests to put together this podcast. I pray that uh, along the way it might be a blessing to someone, um, even maybe in surprising ways. And Lord, uh, I just ask also that we would be sensitive to the ways in which your spirit uh, is at work in our lives. Um, you have you have opportunities for us to serve and you equip us for service. So thank you for those gifts that are given through your spirit. Um, help us to use them. Uh, and I pray that you would bless and magnify those efforts to to be a blessing to other people. So this is my prayer today, and I pray uh, your blessing on Andrew. I'd ask it for myself as well and on all those uh, who listen. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, it was nice talking to you, Dr. Diddall. Nice to talk to you too, Andrew. Thank you for listening to the Adventist Hour podcast. If you have any questions or want to DM us or want to share a testimonial with us uh, or do anything like that, we do have an Instagram account at uh, it's under the Adventist hour. So the underscore Adventist underscore hour, you can DM, DM us there or we also have a Facebook group page that is under my account, uh, Andrew Mulder. And it says I'm attending Walla Walla University. Or send us an email to MullerMinistries at gmail.com. That is M-O-E-L-L-E-R ministries at gmail.com again it's m-o-e-l-l-e-r ministries at gmail.com and if you'd like to host an episode of the podcast or anything like that feel free again to dm us may god bless this upcoming week for you all and uh, for all the students that are listening be it in college or be it in high school. I know college students are preparing for finals in the next couple of weeks. For those on quarter systems, for those on semester systems, you have a, about a month to go. But may God be with you all. Amen.